You're listening to the Stellar Life Project podcast, the podcast for modern leaders who are tired of hustle culture and ready to invite more ease into their lives. I'm your host, Deborah Stellingworth. I'm a master teacher and coach, and I'm obsessed with helping you avoid burnout, create a sustainable lifestyle, and still enjoy optimal success on your terms in your career or business. You'll hear inspiring stories of possibility from my guests, and you'll get empowering strategies from me to support you in creating and living your own stellar life. Well, hello there, stellar friends, and welcome back to the Stellar Life Project podcast. In an earlier episode, I shared my strategy for ditching your to-do list. Today, I want to share with you a list that I think everyone should have, the what not to do list. When you read instruction manuals for electronic devices or pretty much anything that comes with an instruction manual, there are always a list of things not to do with the object. I've got an image in my mind right now of that cartoon outline figure in the IKEA instructions. When there's something we shouldn't do, he's frowning and a broken piece of furniture is pictured with him and the whole image is X'd out. These do not instructions are really useful to avoid damage to the product and injury to ourselves. This is why I believe it's helpful to have a what not to do list when designing what you want your stellar life to look like. In this episode, I'm going to share with you my own what not to do list. Now, my hope is that my list will inspire you to create your own what not to do list. And my intention is not at all to be prescriptive. Only you can decide what works for you and what doesn't. And in my own life and in my work with high performing leaders and entrepreneurs, I found that avoiding things that are on my what not to do list makes space for more productivity more creativity, more ease and flow, better health, better relationships, and overall more enjoyment of your life. So if you want to live an expansive, exhilarating, good feeling life, as I believe you're meant to, avoiding the following things can help you to do so. So here's my list. Take what you want, leave what you don't, and let's get to it. So number one on my what not to do list is scroll social media mindlessly. Now I'm not anti-social media. There are times that it can be inspiring, amusing, and even educational. What I don't want to do is use it as an escape when I'm feeling tired or overwhelmed or I'm avoiding a difficult task. Even I do that. I sometimes catch myself scrolling and watching random reels when I hadn't intended to spend my time that way. It's usually when I've been working for a while and my brain is looking for a break. The problem, for me at least, with using social media as a break is that it isn't really a break that recharges me. It's more of a distraction or a numbing of the discomfort of whatever I was avoiding. And it is definitely a time suck. How often have you gone on social media, maybe because you got a notification or a like, or a comment, or something you posted, and then the next thing you know, you've lost an hour of your time watching cat videos, and don't even know what you were looking at. Now, this is the kind of scrolling I want to avoid, and that is why it's on my what not to do list. 
to avoid falling into a mindless social media black hole. You can turn off notifications, or if you need a more extreme intervention, you can delete the apps from your phone and only view on desktop. I'm very close to doing that with my Instagram app, quite frankly. So if you don't want to delete the apps from your phone, I suggest moving the apps from the first page of your phone to a less convenient location. That's what I've done right now, and it seems to be working. So if you have to swipe several times across the phone screen or the app, you're less likely to fall into it unintentionally. Now, whatever it takes for you to not thoughtlessly give away your time to social media, do that. Number two on my what not to do list is bring electronics into the bedroom, which you might find helpful if you have a social media scrolling issue. That's not why I first implemented the no cell phones in the bedroom rule. When I was selling real estate, and this is years ago now, it's probably been six or seven years since I've had a no phone in the bedroom rule. I had this rule that I wouldn't answer emails from clients or do any work-related things in bed. So what I was doing was had my phone as my alarm clock. And so I bring it to the bedroom and I would stand beside the bed doing emails and checking things. And sometimes I'd be standing there for 15 or 20 minutes. And my husband was like, hello, can we go to sleep now? So I realized it was out of control because I had some issues with setting boundaries about when I was working. It was like all the time, 24 seven in real estate. And the real estate clients who I work with now have heard this from me before. There's a myth that realtors have to work 24 seven. The public says this to us all the time. Oh, when I say that I left real estate, oh, of course that must be so hard because you have to work 24 seven. Like actually you don't. In the city of Vancouver and even in other cities across Canada, some of the most successful realtors that I know don't work 24 seven. So it's a myth perpetuated by people with poor time management skills, with poor boundary skills. And so it is not true. So anyway, that's where I came up with this no electronics in the bedroom. It's one of the first things that I encourage my clients to do. And they're like, but it's my alarm clock. We'll get another alarm clock. You can still buy alarm clocks. You can buy them for like five bucks on Amazon or London Drugs even, or the dollar store. You can get an alarm clock somewhere else. So this is something that I've implemented and it's been a game changer for me. I sleep better. I have a rule in the morning too, where I don't look at my phone first thing. I know so many people, they wake up and the first thing they do is look at the phone or they wake up in the middle of the night and they look at the phone. That is interfering with your sleep, which brings me to number three on my list of things not to do. And it is to neglect my need for sleep. I need eight to nine hours of sleep to really function well. Less in the summer, but in the winter, I'm a hibernator. I need eight to nine hours of sleep in the winter. Summer, I can do seven, six or seven. So I know that I don't function well if I don't get that sleep. So you may be one of those people like my dad who can function on five or six hours a night. There is a lot of talk about 5 a.m. club or the Miracle Morning Club and getting up super, super early. And if that works for you, awesome. It doesn't work for me. In fact, when I tried doing those 5 a.m. wake-ups, I actually made myself quite sick and I know other people have done the same. So it's about, but I also know other people who do it and it really works for them. So just check in with your body. What do you need? So for me, not neglecting my sleep is high on my list of what not to do. Now I wake up early, but one of the things that is really important in the life that I've designed is to not wake up to an alarm if I can help it. 
So I like to be in bed by 10 p.m. so I can get enough sleep and wake up naturally and early. I'm usually up by 6 or 6.30. And when the days that I sleep longer, it's totally fine because it's built into my morning schedule. And so that's important for me. Number four on my what not to do list, this is one I still struggle with, I'll be honest, is procrastinate on self-care appointments. This is a big one for me. I can get so caught up in all the things I want to do in my life and my business that I don't make time for my self-care appointments. And I don't mean like manicures and pedicures. Well, actually, I'm terrible at making appointments for those too, but I'm talking about even more important stuff like doctor's appointments. So I'm really good at the daily self-care rituals of meditation and fitness. But in the past, I've often put self-care appointments like doctors, massage, Cairo, and even manicure, pedicures. I'm still working on that one. I mean, for a while I had my nails done, like fake nails, and I just couldn't do it anymore because I couldn't stand to be wasting time sitting there. They look so great, but that's two hours I could be doing something else. So I do still struggle with this. And I almost postponed a naturopath appointment that I have coming up on Monday. And I said, I can't because that's one of my real focus right now is to not procrastinate on that anymore, not put those appointments off. And so I didn't. I'm going to that appointment. But one of the things I've also done is to book my appointments in advance. So I have massage appointments booked for the next year and my chiropractor appointments are booked for the next six months. Now, I always book my next naturopath appointment before ending the current appointment. And sometimes I try to move it, but I've made a commitment to myself and Dr. Seema Kanwal, who was on the show with me earlier, to not do that anymore because I really want to make sure I take care of myself. So if you haven't met my wonderful naturopath yet, you can listen to episode number 10 of the Stellar Life Project podcast where I interview her. It's a great conversation. And she is just so knowledgeable and so supportive and has just changed my life knowing her. So I want everybody to know her. Now, since I added procrastinate on booking self-care appointments to my do not do list, I've discovered the benefit of getting out ahead of things. Instead of managing crises at the massage therapist, you know, booking because your neck is so stiff you can't turn your head or your back is spasming, which is what I used to do, my massage therapist is now able to do the kind of deep work that leads to healing and lasting change in my muscle function. It's been amazing. I do the same with all of my practitioners now, and it's made a big difference to my overall health and wellness. And I am still sometimes tempted to put off an appointment if I feel good. So really still working on that. So what kind of appointments do you avoid making? Could you book one of them today? Could you book them for their next year? Wouldn't that be great? Number five on my what not to do list is eat sugar after 6 p.m. I am super sensitive to sugar. In fact, I'm borderline diabetic and it's not because I eat a ton of sugar. It's not because I'm overweight. It's because I have burnt out my system, my adrenals, my stress to the degree that my insulin and stuff isn't functioning properly. And so I've got to really, really watch that. And I've noticed lately that if I have sugar too late in the evening, I can't sleep, which then goes back. I'm not honoring my what was that? Number three, neglecting my need for sleep. So I got to make sure I don't eat sugar. I'm also extremely sensitive to caffeine. 
Used to be I could have one square of dark chocolate before bed as dessert and be fine. And now if I have that, I am awake half the night. Not fun. So I have to avoid those things. Now I used to feel bad about wanting a treat around 3 p.m. And now I let myself enjoy a piece of dark chocolate sometimes in the afternoon. It'll pick me up because if I have it at three o'clock, I'm okay. So I'm not completely depriving myself of the good stuff. Number six on my what not to do list is skip meals. I can get so focused on my work that I can let mealtimes slip past even though I feel hunger. I am better at this now, but I used to ignore my body's signals that it wanted food. I can actually recall being annoyed by the inconvenience of having to eat. I even bought a Vitamix at one point so that I could just drink my meals. Now that didn't work. Making smoothies takes time and so does shopping for the ingredients. The end result was that I pushed myself to the border of diabetes because my blood sugar levels were so out of whack from not eating regular meals. And this impacts my concentration and my energy and my overall moods. So now I'm really intentional about fueling my body throughout the day so that it can support me in all the things I want to accomplish. Part of my business planning system is a monthly time and energy tracker calendar. And I put in breakfast and lunch in the schedule, and I insist that my clients do too. Women are particularly good at overriding our body signals in favor of caring for someone else. Just look at the mother who doesn't take time to eat or even go pee because her kid needs attention. So we want to really make sure we build that into our schedule. Go back to the ditch your to-do list. Put that in your schedule. Don't have it on a to-do list. So what not to do? Skip meals. So number seven on my what not to do list is deprive myself of fun and pleasure. I love my job. I love my business and the creativity that I get to express by doing these podcasts, by doing some of the other things that I'm working on, working with my clients. It's just so much fun. And, but it is work. And so I have to give myself time to just take pleasure in things like having a bath or buying some new makeup or enjoying a massage or skincare or whatever. I can tell I don't have very good examples because I'm still working on this one, but it's on my list because I know it's important for me. Number eight on my what not to do list is to leave your toads unlicked. Yes, I said that. Don't leave your toads unlicked. You want to make sure you lick your toads. Now, the concept of licking your toads is something I learned from my friend, Kevin Lawrence, who's the author of a book called your oxygen mask first. It's basically a way of saying, don't put off unpleasant tasks that can be done today. Because if you've put off licking those toads, right? Those toad licking tasks, they will hang over you. And when they're hanging over you, it's like having open loops in your brain. David Allen from the GTD system, getting things done system, he talks about having open loops in our brain. So when we have a task and it may be a little bit unpleasant and we decide to put it off and put it off, it stays there as an open loop. Our brain keeps coming back to it and saying, this isn't done yet, this isn't done yet, this isn't done yet. So we look at those tasks and they're toads. We don't like doing them, but we're going to lick our toads first thing in the morning and get them done. And I love that concept because if you remember the show, The X Factor, which I never really watched because I don't like being grossed out, but the concept of it was is that you do something gross and get it over with. And there's this kind of feeling of having won the X Factor when, was it X Factor or the one with Simon Cowell? I don't watch TV, guys, so 
yeah, I don't know. But there was like the X factor of when they put you in like a, a box with spiders and stuff. So it's that kind of feeling, right, of, of having conquered something like that when you lick your toads. So that's on my list of what not to do is avoid licking toads. I got to make sure I lick the toads. Number nine on my what not to do list is ignore your money. My financial advisor and investment advisor is this wonderful woman who I had the opportunity to interview once at an event. And when I asked her, if you could tell people one thing, what was that one piece of advice that you would give them? And she said, to give a shit about your money. And what she meant was pay attention to your money. Be with your money. Don't ignore it. Your money is your friend. And if you ignore your friends, they don't want to hang out with you. So if you pay attention to your money and you will change your relationship with your money, you will invite more of it into your life. You will have a better sense of what you have and how you're using it. And it just is so, so empowering. So that's number nine on my list. Number 10 on my what not to do list is engage in judgment. When I'm in judgment of myself, I am cut off from what is possible for me. Now, in the four agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz says, be impeccable with your word. And what he's talking about is how we use our words against ourselves. So when I'm like, oh, I suck, I'm so stupid. We are using our word as a weapon against ourselves. And here's the thing that I've learned. When I am most judgmental of other people, that's an indication or a symptom that I'm judging myself. Because when I'm judging you for doing something, I am going to be really afraid that you're going to catch me doing the same thing and that I'm going to be judged. So I have found when I decided to release judgment and not engage in it, whew, took a lot of pressure off. I was no longer judging myself. Because when I'm in judgment of someone else, I'm cut off not only from myself, but from what's possible for them and from them. It's so easy to judge other people. And when we're doing it, it's a symptom of how much we're judging ourselves. So stop it. Okay. The key to your personal success and mine, and I'm going to go far to say it, the key to world peace is to get this judgment thing handled. When we're judging others, we are contributing to the sum total of negativity on the planet. You know, you don't have to like what someone else is doing, but when you fall into judgment, you're harming yourself. And science shows that we are actually physically weaker when we're judging. Judging does separate us from ourselves and others. and We're stronger when we're connected. Now we're going to do it. We're going to judge. It's human nature because we're evaluating and judging all the time and assessing. But we can stop and recalibrate every time we catch ourselves judging. In my eight-week mental fitness program, we work on recognizing and intercepting patterns of judgment and building mental muscles so that you can choose to not engage in judgment and strengthen your mental fitness and your capacity to, to judge yourself less and to judge other people less. It's great. Number 11 on my what not to do list, avoid important or tough conversations. Avoiding difficult conversations lets the resentment bank fill up and then eventually it'll either burst or overflow. If you're the kind of person that holds resentment until it gets to the point of explosion, you'll know what I'm talking about. If that's not you, 
You may be the kind of person that the resentment leaks out and overflows. I'm that kind of person. Any way you handle it, when you store resentment, it will come out. If it doesn't explode, it will leak out and overflow. Now, I'm the leak out and overflow kind of person. I rarely explode. But I have learned in my marriage that if I don't share when something is bugging me, my resentment will find its way out, usually in the form of what my husband feels is nagging or criticizing. It's not nice or comfortable to believe that I'm nagging, but that is his interpretation of what is happening when I'm just repeating myself because I don't feel heard. But that's because I'm feeling resentful. What we have learned to do is to have intentional dialogues so that we can keep our resentment banks empty and our gratitude banks full. It makes for a more intimate, more fun, and more true partnership. Because that important and tough conversations, I happen to use the example of my marriage relationship, but true in any relationship with a, with a spouse, a partner, a parent, a child, an employee, a boss, don't avoid those tough conversations. Number 12 on my what not to do list, is to do things I don't want to do because this causes resentment and the negative energy of resentment blocks us from tapping into the positive energy of our infinite possibility for expansion. So I have created a life for myself where I don't do things I don't want to do and it's pretty freaking awesome and I want that for you as well. So, you know, it's a process of getting there, but you can do it. You might say, oh, Deb, but you don't know my life. I have to do things I don't want to do. I was like, no, you don't. There might be consequences if you don't, but you don't have to. Number 13, I do not want to let fear get between me and my desires. We all have this. When we are desiring something bigger or something new, something we've never had before, it can be scary. It can be scary to go to next level in your business, to next level in your career, to put yourself out there for a relationship, whatever it is that that your desire is, it can be scary because it's new and there's a part of your brain, your survival brain is going, why, why would we want to try that new thing over there? We might die because what we're doing right now, sure, we're not happy, but we're not dead. That's the thing about our brain, right? Is that our survival brain doesn't care if we're happy. It just cares if we're alive. And so anytime we want to do something new, fear will come up. And so it's on my what not to do list is let fear get between me and my desires. And I have to remind myself of this because I get caught in it too. Okay, we all do. It's natural. We all have the reptilian brain that wants to keep us alive. So that's number 13. And the very last one, number 14, is... On my what not to do list is to live by default. And having a list of what not to do, in addition to my goals and intentions, helps me to live my life by design and helps me to live the life I want for myself. That's it, ladies and gentlemen, of my what not to do list. I wonder which one resonated most with you. Let me know. Or what's on your not to do list that I didn't cover here? really curious because I might want to take that from you. So thank you so much for listening. If you found this episode helpful and you know someone who would benefit from having a what not to do list, please share this episode with them. And if you want more support in designing and living your stellar life, you can sign up for my free stellar life challenge at www.stellarlifeproject.com slash challenge. Until next time, stay stellar 
I'll see you soon. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and follow us wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. I'm your host, Deborah Stellingworth. See you next week on the Stellar Life Project podcast.